If you would remain standing and turning your Bibles to Luke chapter 14, starting at verse 15 and reading through 24 this morning. It's Luke 14, verses 15 through 24, continuing where we left off last week. It's called Kingdom Etiquette, part 2. When one of those who reclined at the table with him heard these things, he said to him, Blessed is everyone who will eat bread in the kingdom of God. But he said to him, A man once gave a great banquet and invited many. And at the time for the banquet, he sent his servant to say to those who had been invited, Come, for everything is now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said to him, I've bought a field, and I must go out and see it. Please, have me excused. And another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen, and I go go to examine them. Please, have me excused. And another said, I have married a wife, and therefore I cannot come. So the servant came and reported these things to his master. Then the master of the house became angry and said to his servant, Go out quickly to the streets and the lanes of the city and bring in the poor, crippled, blind and lame. And the servant said, Sir, what you have commanded has been done, and still there's room. And the master said to the servant, Go out to the highways and hedges, and compel people to come in, that my house may be filled. For I tell you, none of these men who are invited shall taste my banquet. The grass withers, and the flowers fade, but the word of our Lord stands forever. You may be seated. And as you do, would you please pray with me? Heavenly Father, I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts would be pleasing and honoring in your sight, O Lord, our Rock and our Redeemer. And it's in Jesus' name alone that we pray. Amen. Well, it seems like the week leading up to Mother's Day is always an interesting week in the Fenema household. Um, If you recall, last year, uh, my father and mother were able to to come out and visit us. Uh, They came up uh, on the weekend, but as they were traveling, we got a frantic phone call from my father uh, saying that my mother was in a great deal of pain, and that they were in the very southern tip of Illinois, and they needed to find directions to the nearest hospital. Uh, turns out that she had a kidney stone uh, that needed uh, to, to come out, and so uh, they made it here in time for Mother's Day, uh, but it was quite the experience as they were going through that. Uh, well, we, we had a couple of experiences in our house this past week as well, leading up to Mother's Day. I spent the day on Thursday with Elliot in the ER. Uh, it was nothing incredibly serious. It was just a splinter in a, a place that I will not mention uh, that he got uh, as he was sitting on a bench outside Scoop Dog. <laughs> and uh, it needed to, it was too deep for us to get out, so uh, we needed to go to the ER and have that, that removed for him. So uh, it had, uh, we need to watch out for next year as we're getting up to Mother's Day. There's always things uh, going on in the Fenema household. Uh, but as, uh, as we come to God's Word this morning, uh, we come finishing up the, the parables that Jesus is telling from last week. 
where he is at this dinner party. It's the Sabbath. He has been invited as a trap by the Pharisees. Uh, trapped to see whether or not he would heal on the Sabbath. There is a man there who had dropsy, uh, and Jesus does heal him. He does so in such a way that leaves the Pharisees and everyone there completely speechless. And then he gives the opportunity, in a sense, to critique the dinner party. He critiques uh, the, the guests in the ways that they were seating themselves at the table. And he gives the host advice on how you should host a dinner party. Well, we get to the point in verse 15 this morning where things are a little awkward as Jesus is doing this. You can sense that there's a bit of tension in the air. This was not your typical dinner party. And so the air was thick with this tension as Jesus spoke. And so one man speaks up to try to kind of ease this tension. He speaks up with with this statement that he feels like everyone should agree with. And this is what he says. When one of those who reclined at the table with him heard these things, he said to Jesus, Blessed is everyone who will eat bread in the kingdom of God. It's meant to be this statement that everyone will, in a sense, raise their glasses. They'll say, hear, hear, and conversation will go back to normal. But this is Jesus we're talking about. Conversation is rarely normal when we're talking about our Lord. Jesus does not want the tension to be eased. As we've said for the last couple of months, it seems, Jesus has been heading to Jerusalem. He has set his face towards the city, and he is taking every opportunity to teach the people the truth regarding the kingdom, even if it makes them uncomfortable. This is his calling. So Jesus says to him, and he starts off with a parable here. He says, A man once gave a great banquet and invited many. And at the time for the banquet, he sent his servant to say to those who had been invited, Come, for everything is now ready. So there's a a bit of cultural context that we need to understand here about banquets in in Jesus' day. Now what would normally happen is that there would be uh, two sets of invitations that would go out. Uh, You know, generally when we have weddings nowadays, we have kind of a save the date, and then we have the formal invitation. This is something similar, um, but not exactly the same. So what would happen is is an invitation would go out to the people, to those who were invited to the event. And then when the banquet was ready, when the celebration was about to begin, a second invitation would go out, usually the servants, and they would say that the banquet is ready, The party is ready to begin. Come, come, everything is set. So the servants are going out right now and they're saying the time is come. This banquet that this this master is throwing is ready. So if you have ever seen the movie Frozen, uh, it's like this. this. There's the great day when the gates to the castle are going to be opened again. It is Elsa's coronation day. Anna is extremely excited because it's been a long time since there's been people in the castle. The invitations had gone out already. People knew that it was coronation day. And when the gates are opened, that is like this invitation. The time is ready. Uh, The banquet is ready to begin. 
uh, the 8,000 salad plates that Elsa didn't, or Anna didn't know that they had have been all set. The time is ready. The banquet is ready to begin. So God is hosting a great banquet. Obviously, when Jesus is telling parables, uh, there, there's parallels that he is drawing. There is points that he is making. And this parable that he's telling is about the kingdom of God. God is obviously the host, and he is hosting a great banquet. And the banquet is the kingdom. God's kingdom is enjoying his presence and being in relationship with him. And God has invited many to this banquet. He has sent out invitations in the ways that he has revealed himself. And he has been doing that since the beginning of time in the ways that he has created the world. Uh, Someone made a comment that this past week was just absolutely gorgeous. The weather was beautiful, and it was. And we see God in that. In a sense, the gorgeous weather is an invitation to God's kingdom because it reveals who he is. Uh, Whenever I go out west and visit Stephanie's father, and we look out his big picture window, and there is the Rocky Mountains, and we're just, our breath is just taken away. It's an invitation to God's kingdom because we see who he is. When we engage in relationship with one another, it is God revealing himself to us. But now in Christ, a second round of invitations has also gone out. In Jesus, God is showing us that the time has come, that the banquet is ready. If you remember back to the beginning of Jesus' ministry, what was the first thing that Jesus preached according to the Gospel of Mark? If you read Mark 1, verses 14 and 15, it says, Jesus came into Galilee proclaiming the Gospel of God and saying, The time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the Gospel. Jesus is sending out the Gospel invitation to this great banquet. Come and enjoy the feast. This is our invitation. But what happened? What happened when the servant went out? He said that the banquet is ready. How did the people respond? Starting in verse 18, this is what Jesus says. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said to him, I bought a field. I must go out and see it. Please have me excused. Another said, I bought five yoke of oxen. I go to examine them. Please have me excused. And another said, I have married a wife, and therefore I cannot come. So the servant came and reported these things to his master, and the master of the house became angry. So what do we learn from this? There are going to be some who reject the invitation. For whatever reason or for whatever excuse, there will be people who will turn down the invitation to the great banquet, the invitation to God's kingdom. They will say, thanks, but no thanks. I've got more important matters to attend to. I don't have time for a silly little party. I don't understand necessarily how this works, but the Bible is very clear that the sovereign God of the universe has given his people a choice, 
and some have chosen poorly. If you think back to Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, uh, they're looking for the Holy Grail, and they, they go through these series of tests, and they find it, and there's this table laid out with all these different grails, these possible cups of Christ. And the first person to choose, he chooses the one that is the most ornate. The one that is gold, it's laden with jewels. And he thinks that's the cup of Christ. And instead of giving him life, it gives him death. And what is he told that very famous time? You have chosen poorly. There are many people who will choose poorly. They will reject the invitation to the kingdom of God, this great banquet that is being thrown by God himself. And when they reject the invitations to the banquet, what they are doing is they are actually rejecting the host. This is very key. They are rejecting the host. Look at these excuses that they are giving here. The first excuse says, I have bought a field. I need to go examine it. Please have me excused. Now, I'm not a rocket scientist here. But if I were buying a field or, say, a house, um, normally what I would do is go to examine the house first and then decide to buy it, rather than buy a house and then go and examine it. So what this man is giving here is a very flimsy excuse. The same is true with the oxen. He says, I bought five yoke of oxen, and he must go and examine them. Um, now, translating to today, um, who in their right mind would flip through the classifieds, pick out five used cars, buy them, and then go take them for a test drive? That's not the way that things operate. We go examine them. We look under the hood. We kick the tires. We take it for a test drive. And then we decide whether or not we would like to purchase the vehicle. And what about this excuse about marriage? Now, I know that it's important for newlyweds to establish a life together, uh, to go on a honeymoon and spend time together. Great. But how great is it to, to go to a, a banquet with your wife? Why would you turn that down? Uh, that's just something that boggles my mind. Uh, it would be great to go out in public, the two of you, and it's something that you don't have to pay for. It's a free date. Why would you not take up that offer? Uh, when the master hears these excuses, he becomes angry. He's mad. He's upset. And the reason he gets mad is because in rejecting the invitation to the banquet, they are rejecting him. And with these very flimsy excuses, they are rejecting the host. Because if these people truly loved the host, the one who was throwing the banquet, they would come eagerly, not giving excuses. The purchase of a new field or new cattle or a recent marriage would not deter them from coming to his banquet. If the invitation came from someone that they were truly close with, who they loved very much, they would not have made excuses. In fact, they would have bent over backwards so that they could have been there. So imagine this scenario. Uh, a woman in our former church, her name was Miss Nellie, recently celebrated her 95th birthday. Um, she was a, a great supporter of me while I was there. She loved the youth ministry. Uh, she loved our kids. Uh, she always had a kind word to say to me uh, after every time that I preached. 
even at the very beginning when my sermons were very, very poor. <laughs> she would send me a card and, and send me uh, some very encouraging words, and I appreciated that. So she celebrated her 95th birthday recently. Uh, did I get an invitation? No, and that's all right. I'm not trying to make them feel guilty if they ever hear this uh, on the internet or something. Um, but if I would have received an invitation, I would have graciously declined. I said, you know what, sorry, it's just too far of a drive. I've got responsibilities here in Arkansas and with the church. Uh, I'm sorry. But imagine if it was my 95-year-old mother who was having a birthday party in Chicago. And imagine if I had given the same excuses to my father, saying, you know what, Dad, I know Mom's 95, and I'm sorry. Uh, it's, a, it's a really far drive. You know, I've got to preach. That happens every Sunday. You know that. And so, you know what? I know it's a big deal, but I, I just can't make it. If that ever happens, someone please smack me. <laughs> because that's cruel. That would be a huge disrespect to my mother. It would show a lack of love and of care and concern for her. This is the situation of those who give these excuses to the banquet. If the invitation had come from someone who they were truly close with and truly loved deeply, they would have not cared about their field or oxen, and they would have come with their wife to join in this great banquet. So how does that apply to us today? Well, I think the, uh, the application is fairly obvious for us. We have received an invitation to the kingdom through Christ. The question is, what are we going to do with this invitation? How are we going to respond to it? Will we accept it, or will we give some excuse of why we cannot come? How we respond to this invitation tells us and tells others how we feel about the host, about our relationship with the Lord. The question is, where do your affections lie? Where do your affections lie? Where is your heart? When the rubber meets the road, the people in the parable did not love the host. They did not love God. They loved other things more, and their hearts were revealed by their actions. What about when the rubber meets the road in our lives? Where will our affections lie? Will we come eagerly to the banquet, or will we offer up our flimsy excuses? Will we place our jobs and our status and our stuff above Christ? What will take first place in our hearts? Where does Jesus rank in our lives? Mothers, who has more of your affection? From where do you get your sense of worth? Do they come from your children or do they come from Christ? If you have more affection and love for your children rather than Christ, you need to rearrange your priorities. And this goes for fathers as well. If you get more self-worth out of anything other than Christ, then we have an idol in our hearts. And we need to put that idol to death. Because Jesus alone is worthy of our full affection. So let's not fill our lives with excuses. 
Instead, let us turn our affections to the Lord. Jesus continues with this parable. He says, The master said to his servant, Go out quickly to the streets and to the lanes of the city. Bring in the poor and the crippled and the blind and the lame. And the servant said, Sir, what you commanded has been done, but still there is room. And the master said to the servant, Go out to the highways and to the hedges. Compel people to come in that my house may be filled. For I tell you, none of those men who are invited shall taste my banquet. So as we've seen this morning, there will be some who reject the invitation. They will reject God's invitation to his kingdom. And this will cause the father to be angry in a righteous anger. Because in reality, those who are rejecting the invitation are rejecting him. But here is where we very clearly see the good news of the gospel. That even though God faces rejection from people, from people, his banquet hall is still full. It may not be full of those whom you would expect, but it is full nonetheless. So he extends the invitation to those who are seemingly, quote unquote, undeserving to the to those who are poor, to those who are crippled and blind and lame. These are not the type of people that you would typically invite to your banquet. If you remember back to last week, these are exactly the type of people that Jesus tells that if you're hosting a party, that these are the type of people that you should invite. These are the people who cannot repay the host. But this is what Jesus, uh, this is what God's banquet, this is what his kingdom will look like. It will be filled with those who are poor and crippled and blind and lame. And you know what? It will be a glorious sight. What made this group of people different from the ones who gave their excuses? What made them different? Well, this group of people were so grateful for the invitation that they wouldn't miss the party for the world. They showed love and affection toward the host and gratitude for being invited. These people cared little about self and about worldly pursuits, partly because they didn't have much and they couldn't do much. But at the party, it didn't matter because of the kindness and generosity of the master. They were treated like kings this great banquet. You know what? This gives us hope. I hope this fills you with hope. If God's great banquet hall is full of poor and crippled and blind and lame, we have hope. Because that is who we are. We are the ones who are poor and the crippled and the blind and the lame. And God has reached out his hands to us. He invited us, he has invited us into his kingdom to join him at this feast through his son, Jesus Christ. This is the good news of the gospel. In a sense, God's great banquet, his kingdom is going to be, in a sense, a royal mess. Instead of being filled with the who's who or the haves, it's going to be filled with the have nots. 
It won't be filled with people who think that they don't need Christ because they have everything in their life together. Instead, it's going to be filled with the people who are so desperately aware of their need for Christ. And these are the ones who will come to the banquet and will be healed and made new and restored. At this dinner party that Jesus goes to, he heals the man with dropsy. This is what it's going to be like at God's great banquet. The poor will be given more than they could possibly imagine because we have God's inheritance. Those who are crippled will be able to walk. Those who are blind will receive their sight, and the lame will be leaping for joy. This is the beauty of God's kingdom. And not only this, but as Jesus concludes his parable, he says that his kingdom is going to be filled with people from the highways and the hedges. You know, the Jews didn't see this. They thought that the kingdom of God would be a Jewish kingdom. But that was not the case, and that was never the case. Yes, the Jews were God's special people. God had called them. But he was calling people into his kingdom from all over the world. Every tribe and language and tongue and people. This is what God's kingdom will look like. And it will be beautiful. So as we conclude this morning, the question for us is to examine our hearts. And the question for us is, as we receive this invitation by God into his great banquet, through his son, Jesus Christ, where do our affections lie? Are we going to offer up flimsy excuses that we're too busy, or we too care, care too much of ourselves, or even too, care too much of others? Or are we going to admit the fact that we are the poor, that we are the crippled, the blind, and the lame, that we need Jesus? Do our affections and do our, does our love lie with the one who has loved us, taking on our sin, removing our guilt and shame by taking it on himself? Where does our love lie? Let us pray. Our most gracious God and our Father in heaven, Lord, we admit that you are not always the prime affection of our hearts. We love the world and we love the things of the world. But you can change our hearts. Father, I pray that we would admit that we are poor and crippled and blind and lame. May we be honest about ourselves because these are the type of people that fill your banquet hall. Sinners who you have redeemed through your Son, Jesus Christ. God, may we yearn, yearn just with eager anticipation and expectation for the coming of your Son. And when he comes to draw us home, Lord, we will sit around your table, enjoying perfect fellowship with you, enjoying your bountiful goodness in the great banquet of the King. And we long for that day. And we say, come, Lord Jesus, come.
we pray in our great Savior's name.